For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast, a special edition World Series champs edition of the podcast. The Braves freaking did it on a gloomy. They did it finally after 26 long, painful years, 24 of which I was not alive to see. Josh, maybe, I don't know. But whoa, 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 they did you it on a wonderful. weren't alive for 24 of those 26 years? No, I, I was going to say 20, and I said, wait a minute. No, I was only alive for, not alive for four of those years, right? I was, yeah, so four of those years I was not around to see, probably thankfully, but the Braves did it November 2nd, 2021, will forever be a day in Atlanta sports history, along with December 8th, 2018, when beloved Atlanta United won MLS Cup. But it's a busy week. It was a good week. Thanks again for tuning into the podcast. We have a lot to talk about. MLS is just a crap show right now. Lots going on, and we will get to it. But Josh, how's your week been? Where were you, and what was going through your head when Danby Swanson threw the ball to our beloved Freddie Freeman to end the baseball season and finally get a World Series? Yeah, so Tuesday was my birthday, and so I was busy all day. And, you know, getting birthday texts and well wishes and all that good stuff. And I got a couple of the, uh, you know, hey, hope the Braves get it done for you tonight. And I, I had a feeling. I had a feeling all day. I was like, they're going to they're gonna do it. So anytime anybody texted me about that, I was like, they're going to get it done tonight. But I missed, the, like, the beginning of it. I had to follow on my phone because I was in a music rehearsal. And so I did not get to see Jorge Soler's monster shot out of the stadium he hit that ball out of the stadium i did not get to see it live i had to follow along unfortunately on twitter and espn gamecast which kind of sucks but uh i got home and me and my roommate joe we stayed up and we watched the uh we watched the end of the game so i was i was at home but my favorite part was you know they got the final out and then i looked down at my phone and just blown up with notifications i had like must have been like 10 or 15 different texts from people saying, you know, 
we did it or, you know, happy birthday to you, you know, that kind of thing. So it was really cool. But as you guys know, and as I mentioned on last week's podcast episode, I also got to go to the game on Sunday night and experience that in person, which was crazy. Guess what I ate for dinner? Pizza? No. (laughs) Philly cheesesteak. No, I'll just run down the list for you. Steak, mac and cheese, green beans, cauliflower, onion rings, chicken tenders, cornbread, nachos, sushi, and then, of course, beer, other drinks, water, things of that nature. All complimentary, part of the part of the tickets. So I went through like three or four buffet lines and just bunch of plates, ate them. It was so delicious. All the food was really good. You must work out. I I do work out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess maybe that's why I was able to. Eat. I also knew I was like preparing throughout the day. I I had a like a kind of small breakfast. Oh, you starved yourself. I, had, I didn't okay. I didn't starve myself. I had a little bit of a snack before leaving to go to the game. Uh, but and then of course. The team ended up losing. The highlight of it for me personally was getting to meet Joseph Martinez and take a picture with him. And that was really cool. I'm very proud of myself. I spoke Spanish to him when I asked him for the picture. I told him he's my favorite player in the world. Did all that in Spanish. The only thing I said in English was thank you at the very end. So that was a pretty cool moment. Yeah. It was a good week for me. And I'm going to see a new Marvel movie tonight. So things are, things are good. Did you actually say things correctly to him? Or did you say stuff like... Can I get your aunt instead of can I get a picture? No, no, no. I definitely I, I definitely got all the words right. I'm pretty sure. I was rehearsing it in my head. So I, I figured he would be sitting in that section because I'd seen him on TV sitting in that section uh, in a couple of games this postseason. But with like 10 minutes to go before first pitch, he like wasn't out there. And I was starting to think, okay, maybe he's not going to be here in this section. Like I, f- I figured he'd be at the game, but maybe not in that particular spot. And whatever I was doing, I was standing up and I was on the aisle seat. I'm like looking down at my phone. I'm looking off to one side, whatever. And all of a sudden I turn to face the, the middle of the stadium. And right there, like four arms length from me is Joseph Martinez just standing there. Like I just turned back around and all of a sudden he was right there. And I mean, I was like, whoa, <laughs> this dude is literally standing right next to me. Definitely a surprise. He ended up sitting on the far aisle, but it was really cool. How many people actually went up to him? Not that many. And what's really funny is nobody bothered him for a picture until they put him on the big board and said that he was in attendance. And then like all of a sudden the woman sitting directly behind him leaned forward and got a selfie with him. And then like there ended up only being about seven or eight people that took pictures with him, including myself and the person I went to the game with. Um, but only, only a couple of people really bothered him after that. So he, he looked like he was trying to, you know, just trying to be low profile and enjoy the game. So even I was kind of uh, hesitant to bother him for a picture, but I'm glad I did. It was cool. That's sick. That's sick. And you posted a picture on your Instagram. Uh, your Instagram is private though. So people can't see it. You should have tweeted one out. I might just, we'll see. You will tweet out an episode or a picture when you promo this episode on Twitter where they can follow you at Josh underscore Boland. We're getting that out of the way early. Yeah, we're getting that out of the way as early as humanly possible because while we never get any followers from this, which might have to do with the fact that we get very little listeners, but 
Uh, Drew, I guess we should stick with the Atlanta theme. Where were you when Atlanta won? Yeah, Tuesday was a busy day because today we, the red and black student newspaper here at Georgia, put out its newspaper, and on Tuesday we put the paper together, and Missouri is at home, so we have a large section just about the home game, previewing Missouri, things like that. So that took up a lot of my time on Tuesday. So I was watching the game from the office, and I got to see Jorge Soler's home run that has still not landed. And one of my friends was across the office. She's like the photo editor, and she was a little bit delayed, I think. So no one in the office cares about the Braves except the sports desk and the photo people. Like, no one else really cares. So the sports desk were freaking out, and the photo editor's like a couple seconds behind us. So she's just watching the game chilling, and then she freaks out, and the whole office is confused. Why are these two people freaking out? But and then we got ready for SEC championship stuff. Um, in a couple, not a month, exactly a month, Georgia will be in the SEC championship. So we got ready for that type of stuff. So I left the office about ten fifteen ish, I think, and it was about the seventh eighth inning. Um, I got to my apartment about the eighth inning. My roommate was watching it, freaking out. I think at the time. It was six to nothing. And then I was at the apartment when Freddie hit his solo shot, and then Houston didn't answer back after his home run. I think that was the moment where I started to think that this might actually be happening. Um, Will Smith came in. I think somebody got on base. Of course. But then, it's Will Smith, baby. Of course. It's not. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's terrible. One guy gets on base when we're up seven runs. Um, then with two outs, I think I forgot what the second out was. But that was the moment that I think I started to realize, like, holy crap, this might actually happen. Ground this ball to Dansby. Really? Might? You never know. My, yeah, my roommate was like, this, they have to win. Like, they're up 7 nothing in the eighth. Like, this has to happen. And then he Googled it and saw that scoring seven runs in one inning wasn't that uncommon, actually. The Angels did it earlier this year. So he was like, oh, crap, maybe they'll do it. But... And then Dansby, he kind of flinched to second base. Um, I said, don't throw the ball second base, Dansby. You're not going to get him. And they threw it first and got him. And it was just like, holy crap, this actually happened. Because the last time they did it, I was not alive. Uh, I missed it by four days. Oh. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, I was born in 99 when the Braves got absolutely shellacked by the Yankees in the playoffs. So it's been a while. It was good. It was fun. I still don't believe it. I still don't think it's real. Like, something weird's going to happen. Like, the Astros, I don't know. Something weird's going to happen. But, no, it's exciting. I'm going to the parade tomorrow. I'm very excited about that. This will be the first championship parade I go to. I was, unfortunately, not able to make it to United a couple years ago, and they won it. But I'm super happy. It was awesome. Maybe they'll do it again next year. It's weird that baseball's over, but they did it. I went to Academy like a sporting goods store here and right after the game and I sat in line for about an hour just to get a Braves hoodie but dang it I got that hoodie I love it it's my baby I have yet to take it off since they actually did it that is disgusting it's worth no, that's it that's freaking awesome it I mean I took it off to I took it off to like sleep and stuff it's only been two days I think if anyone days. has ever seen me in public yeah do you at least have a t-shirt on underneath yes okay that's fine. That's what shirt am I wearing underneath? Is it a brave shirt? No, it's a racing Louisville shirt. Sorry, NWSL <laughs> fans in the audience. There you go. It's still kind of disgusting that you 
but whatever. Did you at least wash it before you wore it? Oh, yes. Okay, then... I'm that's like, that's a rule. Shout out to my mom for instilling that rule into me when I was like five. And I always thought she was annoying about it. But as I've gotten older, my mom's became smarter. <laughs> almost like she's been right the whole time and I was a stupid kid. Almost. Almost like she, almost almost like she was like, saying stuff that made sense. Almost. She's a smart woman. She's got to figure it out. Will you Especially now, clothing. Will you two now stop complaining about Atlanta sports? No, because we Heck should have a no. Super Bowl. Yeah, how, how fitting is it that we got that World Series like two blocks away from where we helped record the most embarrassing loss in sports history? That's not an exaggeration, by the way. I was reading an article recently on The Athletic, uh, and it was about NASCAR and Formula One, right? Like two... Completely like the, even those are barely relatable in the sense that they're only about racing, and that's about where the similarities stop. And here I am reading this article about these two racing sports that I love, and this man who wrote this article throws in a freaking Super Bowl 51, 28 to three, Falcons blowing the lead reference. So I'm just sitting there trying to enjoy my racing article, and I can't even escape. I can't even escape that. So it's nice that the Braves got it done in Houston this time because maybe now that town isn't cursed for us. But the sporting is still going to be, you know, it's sports. It's heartbreaking. I still think the Leafs blowing a 4-1 lead with 10 minutes to go in the third period against the Boston Bruins. Oh, a score. I thought you meant a series lead for a second. I was like, that's not how that works. (laughs) No, uh, but... They have blown. They just blew a three-one lead to the Montreal Canadiens in the playoffs. So I think Montreal or Montreal Toronto fandom is much more painful than you realize. And your loss. Hey, y'all got your NBA championship just a couple years ago. And back-to-back World Series in the nineties. Oh yeah, when I was alive. All right. Well, you saw. I wasn't alive for the Fat Braves. We're all tied. We're all tied. We both our MLS teams got MLS Cups recently, and then our baseball team got it, and your basketball team got it. So. Yeah, you're welcome for that, by the way, because you have our former GM and a Canadian as your GM. Yeah, yeah, he deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, you're welcome. For not Alex not Canada, but just Alex Anthopoulos. Freddie Freeman's kind of Canadian. He plays on Team Canada when he plays international ball. Yeah, so you're welcome for him, too. Um, I didn't want to include him because he's partially... I don't even know what the affiliation is, but whatever. Um, I just now realized Alex Anthopoulos was from Montreal. I did not know that. Yeah, I guess. I knew he was from Canada. I didn't know where from uh, in Canada. But fun fact, you know that podcast I had it for, the Staff and Graph podcast? Yes. Alex Anthopoulos almost hit one of the hosts with his car. <laughs> Told Exciting. a story of that last night. I know. Was it Rachel? No, it was Mike, the other oh. host. Um, if you want to hear that full story, you can go to the Staffograph podcast and listen to that episode, which was just released, uh, as well as their takes on Jack Eichel, which are now out of date because he got traded at 4.30 a.m. Vegas time. <laughs> but we should dive into the episode because, well, we have a lot of talk, a lot of t- t- just mountains of things to talk about. Uh, this is also my second show of the day, by the way, so... Uh, I might be tired in terms of talking, but we'll start with North Americans abroad. And this is mostly Canadians for the first time ever, because Canada is better than the U.S. Um, Ike Ugbo, who, or I.K. Ugbo, I'm not fully sure how to say his name. 
English international, played for the U20 setup, also Nigerian eligible, chose Canada as his international team. Uh, he switched countries, citizenships. Uh, today, it was announced it is likely he'll be killed up into Canada's national team tomorrow. He's a striker, if you don't know who he is. Came up in the Chelsea system. He lived in Canada for five years from when he was like four to nine, which is how he qualified. Uh, he's He was very wanted by Nigeria. He's currently playing for Genk. Uh, he was bought for like $3.8 I think transfer market has his value somewhere in high fours, close to $5 million range. So he's talented. He's only 23 as well. So promising young talent, big get. Speaking of Canadian strikers, Jonathan David is leading league uh, in goals. Uh, top of the league, sitting with eight on the season. There's a bunch of players in second who have are tied with seven. Uh, I don't know how we haven't talked about him very much up until now because he has been going off. And it's good to see a... Canadian or North American killing it in Liga, uh, driving many, many goals home, both in this game, uh, this game in this league, as well as around Europe. Speaking of around Europe, Theo Corbineau, uh, also an attacker for Canada, made his debut for Sheffield Wednesday, where he's just joined from Wolves in the Premier League. They played their match against Sunderland and he scored a goal and an assist in the first half. So he's having a great, great uh, start to his campaign, despite the fact that he couldn't get into games for some reason. But hopefully after that performance, he gets into more of them. Let's go to the U.S. Weston McKenney scored against, uh, scored again for Juventus on Saturday. But Juve lost because they're trash. Keeping it in Syria, John Luca Busio and Tenor Tesman started together for Venezia. Uh, this was Tesman's first Serie A start. And now I will hand it off to you, gentlemen. We're not going to take a ton of time on North Americans abroad because we have a boatload of MLS news to talk about because stuff broke just before this podcast. But what is your North Americans abroad? Uh, I'll just go with Weston McKinney. Uh, he, there was a really good article that Paul Tenorio actually just published a couple hours ago on the athletic about McKinney and his rough start with Juve this year. Um, his suspension from the U S back in what was that? The September qualifying window. Um, and so it's just nice to see him kind of rebound from that. Um, you looking at me like you don't know what that is. Wasn't, wasn't it October? Nah, it was September. Was it? Yeah, because it was in that yeah, the game that was at Nashville, which was on Labor Day, Labor Day weekend, September fifth. Wow, that feels that feels like it happened last week. Really, to me, it feels like it happened four years ago. <laughs> uh, all this, wow. all this recent stuff feels like really far for me. But anyway, uh, so good for McKinney to be scoring goals and kind of rounding into form. Uh, the U.S. is certainly going to need him. In this upcoming window, I uh, did get called up into the national team uh, for this month's qualifiers against Jamaica and Mexico. So that'll be something interesting. Hopefully he can help lead these guys um, and kind of <clears throat> use some of that good form in, with Juve uh, into the U.S. Drew, what about you? You call me Midian, dang it. Um, my <laughs> North American abroad, uh, 
moment. Yeah, I'm going to go with Busio and Harry Tesman starting together for Venezia. Tesman's first Serie A start uh, because, yeah, exciting times. We talked a lot about that when it happened. And now to see them starting together as Tesman gets his first start is pretty phenomenal. Excited to see that. I have not been following Serie A. I have no idea where Venezia sits on the table right now. But they're going to play against some really good competition together as MLS products. And that's awesome. So I'm with that is my North American abroad moment of the week. Connor, you have... You have a lot of options this week. It's not just Alfonso Davies running around. And Venezia is currently 16th out of 20th. So not terrible, but they're not in relegation zone yet. So Venezia update of the episode. But Connor, you have lots of options. Who is your North American abroad of the week? My North American abroad will be Ugbo. Because I think that was a huge addition for Canada. It's going to add to that young striker uh, depth and that young striker and attacker pool for Canada, uh, prying him away from England and Nigeria, who Nigeria apparently really wanted him, is huge, especially for a guy who we didn't really even consider as a possibility for the national team because we didn't even think he qualified. Uh, but clearly he does, and he'll hopefully have a big impact in their qualifiers in Edmonton against Mexico and Costa Rica. So... You know, we're making Mexico and Costa Rica suffer a little bit, which, you know, feels good to be on the other side of that for once. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going with Ugbo. I think he's a big addition for Canada, and it's showing a positive trend among this national team and this national program, continuing to pry dual nationals away from other countries to play for Canada. And speaking of Canada... Let's go to some MLS news, and we'll start with the news that broke just before this podcast, because a Canadian former goalkeeper for Canada, Pat Onstad, was hired as the new GM for Houston Dynamo, replacing Matt Jordan. The reason I bring him up, though, is because literally the second we were going to start recording, Houston announced that they parted ways with Tab Ramos. So... Pat Onstead is going to have to search for a new manager. Probably a good thing, considering Houston suck, uh, and, you know, they could use some better talent. But what do you guys think about Onstead being hired as the new GM? I don't know if he has any previous experience in any sort of management roles, but he is a Canadian legend and Houston legend, so... Do you like the hire for Houston or do you think that they could have done with somebody who maybe is a bit more MLS experience? Yeah, I'm going to, I'll start kind of focusing on the Tab Ramos side of things. I'm his contract expires at the end of this season. And along with him uh, parting ways with the club, there's a couple of assistant coaches that also left. Um, so yeah, Houston's kind of cleaning shop, like Connor said, might be for the best considering the struggles that Houston has experienced, especially this year, currently sitting on the bottom of the Western Conference, I think, if I am remembering correctly. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I think this is a bigger problem than just the guy you have on the touchline. I mean, you think about Houston, you don't really envision you know, a ton of talent coming through that 
organization, um, but they definitely can be better than what they are. They've only made the playoffs just once since 2014. Um, so pretty busy time for them. As far as the, what you got? I just looked up Onstad's experience in management. He has quite a bit. Uh, he was a, he's been an assistant coach with a couple teams, worked in a te- technical director's role for Columbus. Um, he used to work for TFC, ironically, and I had no idea. Uh, as a chief scout and manager of football partnerships. So he does have experience, uh, which I didn't realize. Yeah, I'm looking at his thing right now as well, and this seems like a knock-out-of-the-park hire. Um, He was the Cruz technical director, um, and he won goalkeeper of the year while in Columbus as a goalkeeper. Wow, this guy is wild. He uh, was on the team that won 2020 MLS Cup as a coach or just working with the crew when he did that so he knows about winning and he also was the goalkeeper for the Houston Dynamo when they won back-to-back MLS Cup titles in 06 and 07 so this guy's been around the league he knows how to win he knows how to win specifically with this club I think this club means a lot to him so I'm pretty pumped about it um yeah Houston fans know what winning is like after those back-to-back cups um pretty long ago though so hopefully Pat Onstad can help them return to that because I think young fans only know Houston being really bad. But rough stretch, Tab Ramos is gone. But exciting times, I think, ahead for Houston, and they need it because it's a good city, a good soccer city. The Dash have been dominating the soccer landscape in that city because Houston the Dynamo are kind of trash. But exciting times ahead. Josh, what do you think? And can we just acknowledge that this is like the first time in podcast history that news broke before we started recording? This always happens. This is the type of news that happens like as Josh is getting ready to go to the movies. He like looks at his phone and is like, oh, crap. Like we missed it. So we finally got lucky. We finally got the news breaking before we started recording. But Josh, what do you think about it? I know we've only had about 20 minutes to kind of process what the heck happened here. Yeah, well, I'll start by saying I think the the Onstead hire for GM is a really good move. Um, Like you guys were saying, I mean, he's got good experience. But the thing to me that really stands out is this is a guy who is important to the city of Houston and to their soccer history. He's really a legend for them, as Drew mentioned, being part of those back-to-back MLS Cup championships. So I think you're going to get a guy who really cares about the club, and then you've you know, in addition, you've got a guy who's been in the league for a while now, both as a player and as an executive and even as a coach a little bit. So I think it's really, really smart for Houston. Now, as someone who was just in Houston last weekend, you know, as Drew said himself, it's a good soccer city. It really is. There are so many soccer fields all over the place. And I say that as someone who lives in the Atlanta area where soccer is obviously extremely popular and where a downtown stadium can draw 60,000 fans on the regular. Um, And even being in Houston, I could tell how big soccer is in that city. It is easily the most popular sport um, outside of probably football because can't mess with Friday night football in Texas. That is its own thing. But as far as soccer goes, it's, it's, it is very, very popular in Houston. They really need to take advantage of that. Also, I think I mentioned on last week's podcast, but that downtown stadium That is like prime location. It is a fantastic, like this is the kind of location that made Chicago give up its Toyota Stadium lease out in Bridgeview. This is the same kind of 
move that we saw with Columbus trying to get closer to downtown. It's the reason why um, Austin tried to build their stadium downtown, why Cincinnati built theirs downtown. So Houston might have a fantastic spot for their stadium. Even Dallas is out in Frisco. It's not even in Fort Worth or Dallas itself. So just from being there, it's like two blocks away from Minute Maid Park, the baseball stadium. It's like another two blocks from NRG Stadium where the Texans play. So it's in a very, very good spot, and they really need to take advantage of that. And I'm, I'm expecting Onstad to, to do so. Home of the 2021 World Series runner-ups. Okay, that's what you were going to say. It looked like it was going to be more important than that. No, this is random. I did not realize how far away Frisco was from Dallas. Yeah, it's really not that close. It's like I'm from Gainesville, which you know, Josh, is not Atlanta whatsoever. It's about Frisco. That's what Frisco is to Dallas. It's like an hour away. It's nuts. But, Connor, what do you think about it? the move, everything going on in Houston? I think it just shows Canada's continuing influence on the Houston sports scene as the Dash, especially the soccer scene, as the GM is now Canadian and the Dash feature multiple Canadians uh, in prime positions. Uh, but in terms of Houston, I think it's a good signing. Uh, I think Pat Onstead doesn't get enough credit for his soccer career. Uh, I don't know if you read in the Wikipedia, but during his time with DC as an assistant coach, there were two injuries to the goalkeepers. So Onstead signed a contract for a duration of time and filled in, which is legendary. Uh, I think he played, if the Wikipedia is correct, three games. So shout out to him. If Houston ever need a goalie, well, they got one in the GM, <laughs> in the press box uh, who can fill in, even though he's 53 or whatever. <laughs> uh, so, you know, maybe going with the goalkeeper coach is a better idea. But uh, I think it's a good sign for Houston. What's not a good sign, however, is what happened in Montreal, because I didn't realize that this happened until Josh brought it up in the notes today. But their president and CEO, Kevin Gilmore, just resigned out of nowhere, out of the blue. Um, He was responsible for the name change and took over in 2019. So maybe the continued fan abuse from Montreal fans played a part in it because he did say it's been difficult family wise and COVID wise. But what do you guys think about this? Because there's a lot of questions remaining on my part in terms of why he would leave like the week before the playoffs are going to start when his team is potentially destined for a playoff spot, which we'll get to. Yeah, I'm, I don't, see any problem with him leaving the athletic article has a statement that he mentions the last 18 months have been very challenging which i think we all totally understand um in the past when he took over in 2019 the team has yet to make the playoffs under his supervision might be kind of a weird word to put it but like you said connor this is the best shot they've ever been at to make the playoffs and why would you not just stick it out at least one week or to the end of the season. If you don't make the playoffs, you call it quits, get ready for the off season. Montreal goes to the off season, pretty good season. I think given everything that they've gone through with coming back to Canada, if they just the fact that they're in this position right now, I think speaks a lot to the future of that club, but why would you not wait until the fate of the team goes through? If this weekend doesn't bounce their way and they're out of the postseason? 
just wait until then. If they do make a playoff run, cool. But you just hang around for the postseason run after that's done, which I don't if they do make the playoffs, I don't think they'll be in there very long. But I don't understand the timing of right now, which is confusing. And who knows? Maybe Montreal. This sound this seems like you said, this seems very out of the blue. Like I think if you were planning to do this, no one would say, I'm going to resign the week before, a couple days before the end of the regular season. Because if you wait three days, three to four days, then he makes it through the regular season. So I don't really get the timing at all. It's weird timing. Understandably why he's doing it, given having the playoffs, pandemic, everything's been weird for him. But I'm right there with you. I don't understand the timing of right now, of why you would do it right now. Seems a little sus on my end. Yeah, it makes me think there's something else going on. But Josh, what are your thoughts on Gilmore pretty abruptly leaving the week before the playoffs are going to start? I mean, I agree the timing is weird, but I don't think it really has much effect on the team or the organization really. Um, You know, it's not really going to, at least it's not going to affect the playoffs coming up. Um, At least I would hope not since it's happening now, since he's resigning now. To me, the bigger thing is just that it's just interesting to me that the most notable thing he did in his tenure was change the name of the club, which wasn't very popular with the fans, with the league. Uh, and so it's just just interesting to me that that's like the biggest thing he did and now he's gone. I wonder if that had something to do with it uh, because, you know, the whole point was for them to be more global, quote unquote. And I don't know that Montreal's really done that. And I don't see that happening for them anytime soon so it's just a really it's just a weird situation overall for me uh but i don't know it's just it's just montreal it's not a big deal they'll you know no offense but i mean they're just gonna be montreal like nothing's gonna change for this club in the meantime i mean they could get a new president ceo that you know knocks you know knocks it out of the park in his position and that would be great or they'll just continue being you know sort of average. So I guess we'll find out. Why don't we go from one terrible rebrand to a, we'll see rebrand. The new England revolution announced their terrible rebrand. No, it's not. It's good. Terrible. Well, okay. Quickly, new England released a new crest today. Um, They're getting rid of the classic, Night, uh, only original 96 crest that was left in the league that looked like it was designed with a crayon. Uh, <laughs> I guess we'll start with Drew because he has some strong opinions and strong feelings on this. My boyhood club disappointed <laughs> me. I have to get a new jersey now. What the heck? Your boyhood club whose jersey you on it right now aren't wearing. Yeah, what's no, going on, man? The World Series. For the first time the in a long World time. Series. You couldn't it's, wear the jersey underneath? Me. I'm wearing a racing Louisville shirt underneath it. It's fine. I stick with soccer. But this stupid, horrendous, horrible logo change is the logo. I've heard a lot of people say it looks like it was drawn with crayon, which I didn't Yeah, they, they call it the of. crayon flag. That's its nickname. Until until I, yeah, so I saw it on Twitter. And I said, oh, crap. It really does look like it was drawn with crayon. But... It's a cool nod to the 94 World Cup, which is the only reason this league even exists in the first place, 
because to have a World Cup, FIFA requires you to have a domestic league. So the United States said, hey, if you give us the World Cup, we'll start a league. World Cup 94, two years later, MLS shows up. And the Revolution, which is a phenomenal name given the history of Boston and everything the city does, say pretty original to the World Cup US 94 logo and went with the flag idea. So it's kind of a nod to our to historic roots. And I think it was awesome. And it's the last one. It's so cool. Honestly, I just think everything was cooler in the 90s. Like, all the team logos, I think, were better. And I thought it was so cool. Um, it was a nod to 94. It was something that, you know, if it stuck, it would always be a, this is the history of our logo. Because that's a team, that crest, that logo is, like, especially unique to the Revolution. Because every other logo, right, the Atlanta United's logo is like a circle with an A on it. You know, whatever. That's cool. But the Revs have this cool thing that they're looking back to the founding of the league, this super historic moment in soccer history in North America. And they went with this thing that I haven't even looked at it super close, but it kind of looks like a flower. I don't It's like a weird, there's like a weird sash on it. I'm trying to pull up the new one right now to get a better look at it. They haven't even changed their profile picture on Twitter. So the social media person, our best friend, the Revolution social media manager, which called out Josh, understands the new logo is worse, and they haven't changed it yet. No, they man, straight up said uh, it's not going to. They're not going to switch over their logos until after the playoffs end, Drew. It reminds me of a. This looks like a rose. There's an R and there's all this red going on. I'm thinking of like the Rose City Riveters in Portland. I'm not thinking of the best team in MLS, the New England Revolution. It looks quite similar to. Queens Park Rangers logo. Not identical. Lawsuit. Get it out of there. Queens it's Park Rangers, I need you. No lawsuit potential, but it's kind of similar. It's like a cross between both of the Rangers soccer team's logo in terms of Queens Park and Glasgow is sort of how I saw it. Um, the color scheme of Glasgow and the look of Queens Park. Exactly. Josh, you're a bit more in favor. Gross. You're a bit more in favor of the logo than diehard New England fan, <laughs> Mr. Hubbard. So what do you think of the rebrand and do you like, why do you like it? I, I just like the crest because while I do agree with Drew that it's lame, that it's circular, like everything else has become these days in MLS, like all the crests kind of are starting to melt together. Um, I do like how it's still original. Like there just isn't another crest that really looks like this in the league. Uh, so to me, that's one of my favorite parts. I understand the nostalgia and the sentiment with the crayon flag and its importance with the 94 World Cup and it being one of the last, um, one of the last or the last original MLS crest. But at the same time, I mean, 26 years is a long time. Uh, 25 years is a long time, however long it's been. Uh, I can attest to that. And it's okay if there's change. Like, change is okay. Now, if you are like Columbus and you're going up to your third crest now ever and you tried to take away the original name and you made it this ugly-looking flag thing, then I can understand being upset about that. Or if you're Chicago and you're taking this, you know, again, an original crest and you're making it a million times worse by making the, this ugly two-colored oval, then I can understand the outrage. But this is objectively a cool-looking crest. 
Again, a little disappointing that it's... I'm of the opinion that you should update crests and not necessarily change them all the way. So if we had gotten a more modern-looking, like, Revs flag, I would have liked that more, I think. If we had gotten an updated Chicago crest or an updated Columbus crest that was a little more modern-looking but was still very similar, then I, I would appreciate that. But at the end of the day, this is not the worst reband there is. It's not even close. There have been... I really like all the recent rebrands have been way worse than this one. So props to New England. Also, their secondary logos that they have tied into this rebrand are really cool. So to me, it's it's a good it's a good rebrand if there can be one. I sit somewhere in between you two. Um, what I really like is I like the middle of the new badge. I think that would make a really cool like arm patch sort of thing. Uh, or like t-shirt logo, potentially. I think the outside circle looks like a, oh, wait, we forgot to include the name. Crap. Um, let's do this very quickly in Photoshop. Um, so I think it could be a bit better, but as you said, Josh, there are monstrously worst rebrand, worst, worse rebrands. And if you don't like old logos, I suggest you don't look at how the Montreal Canadiens logo has changed over time because it hasn't. Um, but those are so cool hey, though. Hey, real quick. Old logos are sick. The most iconic franchises in the world have the same, the New York Yankees have like never changed and everyone knows who the Yankees right, are. Well, they know what that stupid NY looks like. That's because baseball is rooted in tradition, which is actually one of the flaws of MLS the has to build so that. That's, that's a different MLS thing. MLS has to quit but, but, this okay. rebranding and jersey changing For you to nonsense. say that the old MLS logos are cool is just wrong. I saw all of them today, like the original 96 ones, and they were ugly. Most of them were terrible. The Dallas Burn one, is the color scheme is terrible. The Dallas <laughs> Burn is awesome. Well, if the, the color, green literally looks like vomit. Yeah, exactly. If the color scheme is bad, it's bad. That's Put part of the crest. that blue and red on that Dallas Burn logo, and you got it. That's peak. Here's the issue with MLS. You get nostalgia in leagues like the Premier League and La Liga and Bundesliga potentially too, or and less so Liga, but you know, you get the nostalgia in those leagues. MLS, in order to be successful on the world stage, needs to be the new exciting young hip league if they really want to grow, I think is the best way of putting it attracting those world stars by being that young hip new you can earn actual money or not actual money you can earn lots of money here um not just in your salary but we have brands worth billions of dollars who will pay you millions of dollars um but yeah i think i understand where both of you are coming from i think we should transition from oh quickly okay go ahead quick question which logo do you like better the old mls league logo or the new one the new one easy oh the new one the new oh, one. oh you guys suck just keep talking i hate both of you so much the old one sucks it's so, it's bad. so cool it's so bad it's awesome i love it i have a shirt with just that logo on it i love it that is not something you openly admit also the kansas city wizards logo is fresh as heck we don't talk about the kansas city wizards with me you weren't around for when this happened. They were the first, I think, opponents against TFC, and they beat them. Let's talk about from one rebrand to a team that re-rebranded and should probably 
rework their front office because they told seven of their players, six of them being regular starters, that their contracts were either not being renewed or they were being released. The Chicago Fire made a decision. How was that allowed is my single question because I feel like that creates a lot of issues in terms of fair play and competitiveness rules. Now, this this whole thing has been blown up out of promotion. I blame Taylor Twelman for this. He made this sound like so much bigger a deal than it actually is. Yes, like there's, he did. There's nothing out of the ordinary with this. So what they told their yes, players Yes, there is. What? What's weird about oh. this? Nope. You don't tell your players that they're gone before the season starts or ends. Sorry. This is common practice. No. I think it's kind of nice. Yeah. Then these dudes it's can good. go I mean, on vacation early. Okay. They're still going to get paid. They can look at apartment leases for other cities. They, the, the front office of Chicago put out a statement saying we did this to allow these players to find new teams. Yes, it is nice. You can still wait seven days before the season ends it's not, and then tell them. It's not their fault Taylor Twelman decided to break this on in the middle of a national broadcast on a on a Wednesday yes, night. Yes, it is. Why is it their fault? Because you you don't tell the players. No, this is common practice. That's it was No. Li- it's not. To to be fair, we are at the beginning of a month. So when you're talking about housing leases, if you tell you them before the lease... You are not looking at housing leases before you have a contract. These players have to find out where to live. If you do it before the end of the month, that's saying the month is like everything in apartment housing world. Yes, but... You tell them before then, they can get out of their lease, they can talk to some people, get some things done by the end of the month, go to Cincinnati, lose some more, and just keep going. Okay, First of all, they're not playing Cincinnati. Second of all... No, the players will go to Cincinnati and lose some more. That's what they'll do. Oh, oh, I get it. Um, I find it surprising that both of you are okay with this. I think you should have to wait. Personally. I mean, how would you enforce that? Because then you could just like have meetings with your players and say, hey, we're cutting you at the end of the season. I don't think you should be allowed to do that, though. Okay. Like, how are you? It doesn't bother me. You're not allowed to tamper, but how do they keep track of that? Yeah, but tampering is different than this. How? That's that's like tampering. How is this like tampering? It's basically like throwing a match. Because you tell purpose. Well, no, winning this match means nothing to them. The the interim coach Frank Klopas already told them that he's going to play a young lineup this weekend in their last game. The game that means nothing. Yes, okay, but if you do play them, they are not going to play hard. They are going to play very, very passive because they don't want to get injured. Yeah, that's why it's perfect that they're not playing. Yes. Okay, oh my God. Right? I mean, I don't think this... (laughs) Go ahead. I mean, isn't, isn't that it? Like, you're not, you don't make these players play because they're not on your team anymore. They won't be on your team anymore. It's, it's like giving them the option to play if they want to. What are they going to say? They're going to say, no, we don't want to play because they've been on this terrible team for three years. I, it's, just, it's just speeding up a process that was already going to happen. And nothing gets affected yes, but by I don't, this. I don't think you should be allowed to do it with a game left. I think you should have to wait until the Monday after decision day. That's, in the event that they do play. That's fine and all. The only thing is it becomes an issue with the teams that make it all the way to MLS Cup. And we've seen this in the past few years where you win MLS Cup and then you have to make roster announcements the very next day, which they do. 
And then all of a sudden, these teams that just these players that just won MLS Cup, they're gone. They're not even on that team anymore. I feel like this is similar in that the season is ending. And while, yes, they could wait a week, if you're going to be sitting all of those players anyway, which they said they would, why not go ahead and tell them? Why not go ahead and say, hey, since you're not playing this weekend, also, by the way, you're not coming back next year. What? Okay, they're not playing. They're still bringing the players to the game. Yeah, they are, but they're not playing. They could play. If they want to. But they they, they probably have that conversation yeah. where, hey, if you want to be a sub, would you want to? Again, that's kind of, why would you at this point? I don't know. I just don't think it should be allowed. I think Taylor Twelman did blow it a bit out of proportion. Um, yeah, he made it sound like these players are like revolting. You know, the reason why they're not going to go play is because they got told, you know, they're not coming back, which is literally part of the part of the business. Yes, I think they should have waited. But uh, the other news in this is that Franco Calvo will not be playing. Uh, he is being released to Costa Rica early because why would he go if he's not going to get a contract and he has to play World Cup qualifiers? That one, fine. That's understandable. The other guys, I don't get it. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Let's shift to less than positive news um, that is very complicated, very long, uh, has been going on for quite a long time and really hasn't been reported on because the club has refused to say anything. And if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Vancouver Whitecaps um, investigation. Have both of you seen this? Yes, haven't. Like you said, they kind of, I don't think it's been talked about enough. They kind of have kept it under wraps a little bit, but it found its way out. My question is, is this connected to the abuse of the um, the girls from the Canada Women's National Team program that was there? Is this in connection to that? Or is this a separate abuse scandal? It is related to, I'm not sure if it's related to that, but the inve- the issue is a coach with their women's team at the time, uh, abused one of the players or some players. Okay, this sounds like it's connected then. I don't want to say for sure if it is or isn't since Vancouver hasn't been uh, completely transparent with this. Like they put some player, uh, some employees on leave, but they haven't even, you know, we don't know who those employees are. Um, I mean, all I have to say about it is obviously it's extremely disappointing. Um, I remember reading the article about the those women that were abused um, while I think it was they were being housed in Vancouver through the Whitecaps organization. They weren't necessarily um, players for the organization. It was more through the national team and such. Uh, but I remember reading that article just a couple years ago that those articles were published, and it was just super, super frustrating, really sad, really disappointing. Um, and it's also been disappointing that it's taken so long for – I guess Vancouver to do something about this for MLS to step in and do something about this because again this is this has been an issue for a couple years now right even if it's not the exact same um, players involved or whatever the case may be uh, so it's also disappointing that's taken so long but I'm glad that something is finally being done about it. So I just quickly read a CBC article um, because the coach involved Hubert Busby Jr. coached the Jamaican women's team currently and he's been placed or he's been suspended by Jamaica, uh, obviously as they undergo the investigation. 
He's accused of, and it was claimed in an interview with a British publication, well, The Guardian, um, that Busby sexually coerced and assaulted uh, Mallory Enoch, Enoch, E-N-O-C-H, uh, while recruiting her to the Whitecaps in 2010 and 2011 when he was the head coach of Vancouver's women's team. MLS has recently announced an investigation into this topic, mostly, I think, heavily influenced by the Chicago Blackhawks incident, which, if you're not familiar with, one of the Chicago Blackhawks video coaches during their 2010 Stanley Cup run sexually assaulted one of their players. Um, It's an unbelievably brutal situation. He then did it again to another um, person. Uh, John Doe 2 is how he's going by. It was a 16-year-old. He was charged, spent nine months in jail. They just crossed his name off the Stanley Cup because this incident was embarrassing. Uh, Stan Bowman, who was the GM at the time, was has resigned from his job with Chicago. It's You, you should read up this on the story if you haven't. It's incredibly eye-opening, highlights many issues in hockey. Um, But back to the Vancouver Whitecaps investigation. MLS has announced that there will be an independent investigation, which is the most important aspect of this, um, specifically related to Vancouver's handling of the allegations made against the coach. Um, Finally, they took accountability. They've really been trying to keep this quiet and sort of swept under the rug for a long time uh, and sort of been ignoring media pressure and media conversations. And it really hadn't picked up any sort of steam as both Josh and Drew made well aware if they've only heard it recently. Uh, I'd been a little bit more aware of it for probably a year or so-ish, I'm guessing, just because I follow quite a few Vancouver Whitecaps people on Twitter. But... It's been very quiet on that regard. The club has put all employees who may have been involved on leave until the investigation has been completed. That investigation is being uh, headed up by Ruben Tomlinson LLP, uh, which is a law firm. To quote the statement released by MLSPR today on Instagram, The investigation will consider the club's internal processes and overall culture at the time of the allegations, including what steps it took in response to the allegations. The review will also consider the club's current policies and procedures and provide any recommendations on preventative measures to uh, ensure that all players and staff within the Whitecaps organization work in a safe environment, free of all forms of harassment and fear of retaliation. Vancouver and MLS have also committed to the process and have pledged full cooperation in this investigation, and all findings will be publicly released. That's sort of the lowdown on everything that's sort of happened up until this point. We will see what the result of the investigation is. I expect there to be a fallout from this. Um, It's... A brutal situation. It highlights a problem in sports that's continued to show itself in recent months. Recent months since Brad Aldrich, who is the video coach, since that sort of situation came to light, thanks to Rick Westhead, uh, his reporting, who works for TSN Sports. Which, if you ha- don't follow Rick, follow him. He's an unbelievable investigative reporter. 
in the sports world. He and Katie Strang, who also does work in hockey reporting, investigative journalism, both great follows. But yeah, we'll sort of have to wait and see what transpires, what happens in this situation. Do either of you have any sort of thoughts on the investigation finally being launched, the entire situation? Josh, you sort of already gave your opinion, but Drew, do you have anything? I mean, I think it's just, you know, this has been a, an unfortunately a trend, I think, recently with the NABSL and everything that happened with that and now with the Whitecaps. Um, something that for it's just a problem that we have in the game um in the women's game in the men's game just this stuff happening um it's not okay and then i think when you go into investigations it eventually comes out that this unfortunately has been happening for years and years and years um so it's something in the game in the world and we specifically see it unfortunately a lot recently in North America, um, across the leagues, the NWSL and now MLS. Um, so it's something that is in soccer that needs to get out of soccer because people need to get out of the league leagues. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's tough as a fan to see this stuff happening because at the end of the day, we just want to watch soccer, but unfortunately there are things that in organizations that really need to be taken care of and that, means getting rid of some people that don't need to be in the game. So we've seen way too much of this, I think, recently across leagues. And, um, yeah, like Connor said, I mean, we'll see what happens with the investigation because leagues and teams are starting to come out about it. So we'll see what happens. Super disappointing, though, that this is happening again. What I also want to highlight, because I think this is very important, um, Vancouver conducted its own investigation at the time, and – when the investigation was concluded, they dismissed Busby and players were asked not to speak of the situation publicly as well. So I assume MLS will look pretty heavily into that and what what Vancouver's role was into this entire situation. Um, but... Yeah, uh, we will take a quick break now uh, before diving into the playoff races in MLS because decision day is this weekend. And, well, it's a tight, tight race in both conferences, but we'll be right back. And we are back to talk some playoff races, decision day, as the MLS regular season comes to a close, both conferences are in pretty crazy spots. A lot of teams have already clinched. A lot of teams have already been eliminated. And a lot of teams are still waiting to see if they still have a shot to make the playoffs. Some teams have better shots than others. And we will talk about all of that. And we are going to start in the Eastern Conference. We're going to start in this little hodgepodge of nonsense that they got going on with Atlanta United, Orlando City, New York Red Bulls, Club de Foot, Montreal, which we talked a lot about. Um, are all within two points of each other. So this is going to be wild, especially because Orlando and Montreal play each other. So someone's going to have to drop points in that situation. That's going to help some guys, benefit some teams, hurt other teams, and we'll see how that goes. Then the Rebels play Nashville. Nashville is competing 
for a second seed. So Nashville has stuff to play for. Red Bulls fighting for their playoff lives. Elaine United plays Cincy, so I don't know who put this in the dock, but they said Elaine United is probably in. I know it's not Josh so Connor. <laughs> yep. Yep. If anyone's going to do it, it'll be Elaine United. So Elaine United plays Cincinnati. Red Bulls play Nashville. Orlando and Montreal play each other. Connor, out of these, how many, well, we have four teams that are kind of in this nonsense together. We won't talk about Nashville too much because Nashville is clinched. They're just kind of standing in the Red Bulls' way right now. Cincinnati is just a soccer team that unfortunately plays in Major League Soccer. We have to watch them every now and then. But Red Bulls, Orlando, and Atlanta, three teams in Montreal, in Montreal, Montreal, I'm stupid. Out of those teams that are fighting for spots, who do you have the most confidence in right now that they will make the playoffs? Atlanta, without a doubt. Um, They're playing Cincinnati. They're two points up on Montreal, a point up on the Red Bulls. I'd argue almost a guaranteed win against Cincinnati, who have 20 points on this season. 20 points. To put that into perspective, Houston, who is last in the West, have 30. That is so bad. TFC, who are second last, have 28. If you don't win this game, you don't deserve to win to make the playoffs. If you don't get points in this game, you don't deserve to make the playoffs. This is as close as a sure thing for you to make the playoffs as you can possibly get. So much would have to go wrong for you not to make the playoffs. So that's my favorite in the East. Do you want me to do the West at the same? Or we'll do West later. Um, my least favorite to make the playoffs, it's got to be Red Bulls. I think Nashville are actually going to go for it because they do need to win. Uh, they're tied on points with Philadelphia. So if they can get a result out of this game, uh, it'll really put Red Bulls in a tough spot. And I think Montreal is a very good shot of getting points against Orlando. Uh, so I'd say Red Bulls are in the toughest spot. Atlanta in the best spot. Josh, you just won a championship in another sport. Will you finally show faith in one of your sports teams? Um, it would take a miracle for Atlanta to not make the playoffs. So yes, they are... Pretty much guaranteed. But in terms of confidence and how I'm feeling about like these four teams, Red Bulls, Montreal, Orlando, Atlanta, I'm feeling pretty good about Montreal. Uh, I remember it was a few weeks ago that I said Orlando would miss the playoffs. That is still a possibility. I think it's going to happen to where they miss the playoffs. I think Red Bulls are actually going to beat Nashville on Sunday. Not for lack of trying on Nashville's part or anything, but I just think that Red Bulls press... Um, and their their good run of form recently is going to be enough for them to squeeze out a win on the road against Nashville. I also think Montreal is going to beat Orlando because they're the home team, and I think that's a really big advantage for the foot and a very big disadvantage for Orlando, having to go travel north, play in the cold most likely. I would say DC and Columbus are pretty much out of it, so we don't really need to talk about them or anything, but yeah, I have a feeling that Montreal is going to beat Orlando And Red Bull are going to, you know what, actually, Red Bull just need a draw if Orlando is going to lose. 
because then Red Bulls would get in with that wins tiebreaker or the goal differential tiebreaker, whichever one is next. So I'm all right. Yeah, that's going to be my prediction. I'm going to predict that Red Bulls get a result against Nashville, either a draw or a win. And I predict that Montreal beat Orlando to sneak in and get that fifth spot in the playoffs. I'd probably be the sixth spot at that point since Red Bull. You say it's going to be cold. You say it's going to be cold is it in not? Montreal. It's not. It's a high of 11 that or 12. Means, no, that means nothing to me. Celsius. 11 50-ish. degrees is freezing. Okay? That's 20 degrees below freezing. It's like 50-ish, something like that, right? Really? I'm guessing. Double it, add 40 is what I've always heard. It is. 51.8. It is colder. Bang. It is colder here in From Georgia right now than it is... It is Going freezing. To be in Montreal. I was walking the class. I was so freaking. Yeah, it's cold. pretty. It's pretty Honestly, brutal right I, now. I am shocked. It's that warm. It should not be that warm. Uh, today it was a high of seven Celsius. So much colder. Was that like thirty-four? Um, it's about freezing, almost about forty. Uh, either way, forty. I I still think that Montreal has the advantage of being home, although maybe the cold weather will not end up being a factor. But I stand by my prediction. Red Bulls in. Orlando out. Drew, what do you think? I think Josh is right about the Red Bull Nashville thing because Red Bull has kept teams pretty at bay as far as scoring goals go. I think when you look at their last results, shout out Atlanta, shout out Montreal, I'll have one to DC, that's pretty embarrassing. Shout out NYCFC. Um, so a team can defend, and when you do that against a Nashville team who can also defend, but has been on a rough stretch as far as scoring goes. I know they had that weird six-goal explosion against Cincinnati, but shut out by Philadelphia, shut out by D.C., shut out by NYCFC, shut out by Chicago. So I think that's going to be a pretty boring game, but I think Rebels, unlike Josh had that good run of form, is going to take just one moment of brilliance that they get a goal. I'm going to say a one nothing win for the Red Bulls, and the Red Bulls are going to go in. As far as Montreal or Orlando goes... You know, I I can't say I can't just totally agree with Josh. I would say Montreal makes it. I'm saying Montreal beats Orlando just cuz this league makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, Montreal on a good run of form, just beat Houston, some confidence boosting for them. So, I'm going to say Montreal makes it and Red Bulls make it and Atlanta makes it with that Cincinnati win. So, least confident in Orlando, I think they will not make it which would be super disappointing for them given what they were at the beginning of the season, the expectations they had after making a run to the MLS's back final. But I don't think Orlando City is going to make the playoffs, but I'm going to say the Rebels in Montreal will make it. And just as things are crazy on the East, they're crazy as well on the West. Ahead of Decision Day, we have a lot going on here. We have Vancouver who is still miraculously making this run in sixth place, only three points ahead of RSL with 45, who is outside of the playoff spot, the Galaxy with 47, Minnesota with 48. Between ninth and fifth is three points. LAFC sits in ninth with 45, RSL with 45, Galaxy with 47, Vancouver and Minnesota with 48. Portland is in fourth. I think they already clinched a spot. So about between fifth through ninth. It's a crapshoot. There are one, two, five teams competing for three playoff spots. Josh, out of these teams that could potentially do it, Vancouver plays Minnesota. They only need a point to get in. 
No, Vancouver and Minnesota only need a point to get in. The Galaxy plays Minnesota. RSL plays SKC. Vancouver's got a tough one with Seattle, and LAFC plays Colorado. We know how good the Rapids have been this season. Out of these teams in the West, who's making it and who is going to miss out on the playoffs this year? Yeah, so I am feeling nowhere near as confident about the Western Conference and the possible outcomes for this weekend. Nowhere near as confident as I'm feeling about the East. Um, Honestly, I was expecting RSL to get in, but they have not looked good their last couple games. And they got to play Sporting Kansas. I mean, man, this these four games right here, these are <laughs> this is tough because Colorado and Seattle and Sporting KC, I mean, they don't have anything to play for in terms of making the playoffs, but they all they want very that top. I I'm getting there, but they all want to get that top seed because you want that bye week and it's very much in play for all three of them. So, gosh, it is going to suck having to watch four games at once on Sunday, isn't it? Um <laughs> Man. What time do the Falcons play on Sunday? Irrelevant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a psycho and I love hurting myself. I have to watch them play. Boy, you know what? My team just got a, a World Series. Now it's time to suffer on Sundays. Oh, we play New Orleans. Have to oh, watch God. it. Have to watch it. Um, Birds by a million. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get destroyed by Taysom Hill. It's going to suck. Yep. Um, Wrong football, seen this guys. Movie Wrong football. <laughs> The right football. So I, I, I'm just gonna go ahead and stick with my initial prediction from a couple weeks ago. I'm gonna say that LAFC gets in, uh, which is stupid. Um, I'm gonna say that the Galaxy beat Minnesota, and so that's that's what it's gonna be for me. It's gonna be LAFC wins over Colorado. They get to 48 points, therefore pulling level with Minnesota. However. LAFC will have the goal differential tiebreaker at the time because they have the same amount of wins. Uh, Vancouver, who'd we say they're playing? Sporting Kansas City? No, no, I'm sorry. Seattle. Seattle. Seattle's struggling In right Vancouver. now. I think Vancouver and Seattle will draw, and therefore Vancouver will still get into the playoffs by virtue of that draw. But yeah, I'm going to have – I still think Minnesota United are not going to make the playoffs, and I think that LAFC are going to sneak in. Interesting. I LAFC is a hot take. Yeah, you know um, me. If I'm making a take, I gotta stick by it until the like it, it literally is wrong. <laughs> that is a hot take. Um, it is tough because uh, you look in our next discussions in terms of who wins the West because it's very close up top there too. But I I think Vancouver get in for sure. I'm very confident in Vancouver. I think they've been in very, very good form, uh, despite drawing to LAFC, like yesterday, on Wednesday, um, two days ago. Tuesday, Tuesday. I tried. Yeah, that um, was the funniest thing, is because Vancouver got that equalizer, and it was like the only non-Brave slash World Series tweet that showed up on my timeline in that like three-hour span, and I was like, oh yeah, there's soccer tonight. <laughs> Yeah, I was watching that. Actually, now that I think about it, I was watching that in the commercial breaks while uh, watching the World Series. So I'm going with Vancouver, and I'm going to go with... Man, I hate going against Greg Vanny. And they just... LA Galaxy just won, too. Oh, that's so tough. It is so tough. 
What did LA Galaxy or Galaxy drew against Seattle? That was it. Minnesota just beat Sporting KC. Oh. I'm going with Minnesota, Vancouver, and I think one more, right? I think I need one more. Yes, I need one more. Ah. LAFC or RSL? I think it's RSL. Wow. You think they're going to get a result against Sporting Kansas City? They got to get the win. No. I don't think they're going to get anything. I think LAFC is going to lose. Wait, what did I say? I'm confusing myself. You said, no, I'm going LA Galaxy. What am I saying? Okay, so I'm you're going not LA going Galaxy. against Fanny. No. I'm saying Minnesota will win. I think LA Galaxy will lose. But I also think LAFC and RSL will lose. Or so, get a point. So you draw. think that both Galaxy and Minnesota will make it into the playoffs is what you're saying? Yes. Gotcha. So the playoffs as made is. made that way too complicated. I made it way too complicated. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I just, I think LAFC are going to struggle against Colorado. Colorado are really playing for it. And RSL are playing Sporting KC, who've been on a really good run of form, especially with, as we mentioned last week, the real Scottish Messi, um, Johnny Russell. But let's go to the who will win the West. Speaking of those three teams, Sporting KC, Seattle, and Colorado. Seattle are currently on top with 59 points. Colorado and SKC are tied in second at 58. Who wins, Drew? Who comes out on top? I have to say SKC. I have oh, to. Yeah. No, no one wants to be the best team in the Western Conference. They're all just <laughs> shenanigans. They're all, we're all just toys in the New England Revolution's game. It's all fake. No one's the best team in the Western Conference. Colorado's the best team in the Western Conference, but I, I, I'll say SKC to stick with the brand. They're going to come out on top. Josh, what about you? Who comes out of the West up top? What did I say? I'd said LAFC was going to win, which means it can't be Colorado. I said Vancouver and Seattle would draw, which means, dang it, can't be, yes. can't be Seattle. Yes, yes. Bow. All right, so I think I have to say that Sporting Kansas City will be the first seed, but I stand by that they're not the best team in the West just because there is no best team in the West. It's impossible. Also want to point out that SKC were the top seed last year, and they looked terrible in both of their playoff games and got subsequently eliminated. So I think we are going to see a repeat of that. I'm going to go hot takey, and I'm going to say Colorado. I think they get a win against LAFC. I think RSL draws against Sporting KC. And I think Seattle either draws or loses to Vancouver. That is my hot take. Colorado, top of the West. Team that's very snuck under the radar in all season in terms of how well they've done. I think Mark Anthony K and uh, Acosta, almost said Luciano Acosta, Acosta, uh, is it Acosta? Kellen yes. Acosta. Yeah, Kellen Acosta. Thank you. Uh, I think those two will drive them home. Uh, but we will have to wait and see 
We will have to wait and see. What we also have to wait and see is what your goals of the week were. All of us, apart from Mr. Boland, were in the East. So, Mr. Boland, th- considering we were talking about the Western Conference, why don't you go first? Yeah, my goal of the week this week was teenager from San Jose, Cade Cowell. Um, that game was wild, very wide open between RSL and San Jose. There was a really good clip that Matt Doyle shared of, I think it was Ochoa for RSL, throwing the ball out into midfield, and immediately RSL had a three-on-two advantage in midfield, running towards goal, sprinting towards goal. It was crazy. So when I saw the Cade Cowell goal, I was like, this does not surprise me at all with how wide open everything was. But really good effort from him. He is so fast, so fast with the ball. And so he sprinted. Had some good fancy footwork in the in the penalty box, and then put the uh, put the ball away. Really good finish. So that was my goal of the week, Cade Cowell. Drew, what was your goal of the week? I just watched it before I put it in the dock, but I'm thinking of forgetting exactly how it happened. But Paul Ariel's goal versus Columbus, I think someone played him over the top, and he one timed it. Yeah, okay, it's coming back to me now. It was a good goal. It was the first goal of the game against Columbus, but then D.C. promptly blew that 1-0 lead. I think they lost 3-1, to but Paul Ariel got the scoring open. It was a good goal. I went my goal of the week, but his goal was canceled out by another good goal in that game that actually did win the game, which leads us to Connor. What was your goal of the week? My goal of the week was the best goal of the week. Um, Lucas Zellerian's banger from outside the box, back-to-back weeks that he's done that. Uh, so he's killing it. But I want to give a special shout-out to a CPL player, Omar Brown, former Montreal uh, at the time. Or was it at the time? No, CF Montreal player. Uh, also played for Independiente against TFC when they lost in the Champions League. Uh, scored an absolute banger of a goal in their Champions League league match, which qualified Forge for Champions League. So they'll be playing in CONCACAF Champions League in the winter. Um, we'll see whether or not they can get away uh, any sort of result in Champions League. I highly doubt it, but... I wanted to give a shout out to them because CPL are making moves uh, and, you know, good for them. But let's go to our players of the week. And speaking of Lucas Zellarian, Mr. Boland, who is your player of the week? Yep, that's it. Connor just said it. Lucas Zellarian, he's my player of the week. Really good performance for Columbus in, I mean, I guess what was a must win game for them. Uh, trying to still make the playoffs, which they are mathematically alive somehow still. That's MLS for you. Um, yeah, he had that excellent goal, and I believe he also had an assist. I'm trying to pull it up right now. Uh, Might have had another goal. I can't remember the... Yeah, he had two goals. He had that uh, penalty as well earlier in the game. So, yeah, really big game from Zeller Round to help, uh, uh, to help Columbus get the win and keep them alive in the playoffs. All right, Drew, 
Who is your player of the week? I went with Sebastian Blanco. He scored two goals against RSL. And I want to say that might have been the game that officially clinched a playoff spot for Portland. I'm not sure. Maybe between that and some other stuff happening, but I'm pretty sure Portland clinched not too long ago. But he scored two goals in Portland's 3-2-1 win over RSL. He scored in the 17th and 45th minute before RSL got one back in the 88. So I want to smash Blanco. I'm happy to see him tearing it up in the league as always. So he scored two goals. He got my player of the week. And now you've talked a lot about games. That's going to come up this weekend. This is a big weekend. You just, Why are you giving you're me that just going to forget me? Did you not? No. You didn't say yours already? No. Oh, wow, I didn't. Connor, <laughs> who is your player of the week? God, uh, this, you have a tendency to do that. Um, <laughs> my player of the week was Josh's goal of the week, Cade Cowell. He's a guy who's sort of gone under the radar, had a bit of a tough stretch since his opening season. Great results. Uh, he scored a goal and got an assist on their match on October 30th. So wanted to give him a shout out because he sort of struggled throughout the season and uh, he had a very good performance on their game over the weekend. But as Drew was trying to do, um, we will now go to our games to watch. And Drew, let's get you out of the way so that you don't forget, Josh. Uh-huh. Um, or you want to go last? No, you, I'll, I'll go. I'll start us off. All right, go My- ahead. My game to watch is the Galaxy versus Minnesota. Obviously, this weekend is full of really good games with playoff potential, but I went with Galaxy Minnesota because not only does it impact both of those teams' playoff races, it also impacts my beloved Vancouver Whitecaps playoff race as well. So I went with the Galaxy in Minnesota, trying to see if Minnesota can make history, become the first team to lose four in a row to start the season and somehow make the playoffs. So the Loons are coming back. Adrian Heath has the bulletin board material ready to rock, and they're going to do it. So I went Minnesota Galaxy as they make playoff pushes. Josh, what is your game of game to watch this week? I'm going with NYCFC against Philadelphia Union. Uh, these are two teams that we didn't really talk about much, and they both secured playoff spots. However, this is seeding. This is all for seeding here at the end. Philadelphia has a chance to end up as the second seed, uh, as we discussed. Nashville's in the fight for that as well. And then NYCFC are in the fight to get a home playoff game. And that has big implications on Atlanta United, who's also fighting to get a home playoff game pending their result against Cincinnati. So my eyes are going to be on, well, a lot of games. But at least in the East, uh, I'll be also looking at NYCFC and Philadelphia and, and seeing what ends up with those two teams, where they, where they end up, where everything shakes out, really. And I will finish us off heading or continuing in the East, with Montreal versus Orlando. We talked quite a bit about uh, Montreal and uh, Orlando's potential playoff hopes and how much that rests on this game. So I was very close to... I had Galaxy versus Minnesota initially, but I decided to switch to Montreal-Orlando because I think that game is bigger, and we'll see whether or not my prediction of Montreal being a good team comes true. Uh, but we'll finish us off with Josh's favorite part of the podcast, the MLS fantasy update, uh, going into the last weekend. Enjoy the movie, Josh. I'll see you later. Enjoy the movie. Uh, it is well close between two of us, less close between one of us who is 
promptly bringing up the rear, the man who's going to a movie in an hour or less than an hour. It's not me. I'm not in last place. Okay. Second last place. Uh, with a grand total of 1,101. Sounds like a lot. It is. If you did that NFL fantasy, Josh, you'd be winning every week. (laughs) That would be very impressive. Uh, but Drew, you are close to me, but I've taken a bit of a lead so far. Um, this week I am sitting in 10th place. Uh, with 1,866 points. Drew is sitting in 12th with 1,811 points. Blender Daddy's Boys sitting in between us with 1,857 points. Rounding out the top five, though, Older Goaler sitting at 2,433 points. Goat Brekshay or Nelson is sitting at 2,358 points. Colorado Crapids, Curtis, sitting at 2,238 points. Uh, I read this. Goat Brekshay at 2,358 points. Colorado Crapids, 2,238 points. Peachy Swagger sitting in fourth with 2,188 points. And rounding out the top five, Anelta FC with 2,173 points. Gentlemen. We will see how this unfolds during Decision Day. There's lots to still be decided in our fantasy league, but if nobody else has anything else they'd like to add, Josh, we'll allow you to go and get ready for your movie. And Drew, you will take us out from this very long podcast episode. It is a normal episode. Yes, Thank you guys so much. Josh is a little behind me, so like I heard his audio, but I didn't he see is, him moving. Yeah, same here. Oh, that's sad. But thanks anyway for tuning into the podcast. We really appreciate all you guys listening. As always, visit the website mlsmultiplex.com to see awesome written content. Our contributors are cranking out toward the end of the season as playoffs begin to happen. And you can visit the website on Twitter at MLSMultiplex to see stories as they get tweeted. And follow us on Twitter. You can find Josh at Josh underscore Boland. Going to say that again because he gets two Twitter shoutouts today. Connor at CWG Somerville. Unfair. unfair, I say. Unfair. If you get any large Twitter followings, that's why. It's because we mentioned you twice. And myself at underscore Drew Hubbard. So give us a follow on social media. Visit the website. And as always, please leave reviews on the podcast. We love hearing ways of how we can improve. And we love hearing from you guys. So please leave a review. Visit the website. Follow us on social media. And stay tuned because we will talk to you again next week as we get ready for playoffs and as Decision Day wraps up. So exciting times in MLS Multiplex history. So be sure to tune in next week as we get ready for the postseason. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.